teach children quietly For one day sons and daughters Will rise up and fight while we stood still Can you hear me? Can you hear me running? Can you hear me running? Can you hear me calling you? Can you hear me? Can you hear me running? Can you hear me running? Can you hear me calling you? All right, that's what's up. Uh, uh, welcome everyone to the Tori Says Show. I'm your host, Tori. So today is the 28th of December, 2020. Tomorrow starts. <laughs> Tomorrow it begins. Uh, pause is over. So today we're going to talk about options. But before we talk about options, it's really important to understand the state of the land of confusion that we are in. And it's almost as if someone is on the same beat with me, uh, considering that yesterday that I was off social media. So I have a long video to play for you, a long 15 minutes, uh, that you're going to listen to. For a very long time on social media, since it, let's say Twitter, for example, since it began in 2009, um, I have been... Uh, communicating with the general public and other people uh, via social media, being the new public square where we all share and obtain information together and disseminate it. Now, um, the one thing that uh, I have been trying to make clear to the majority of my listeners is that Everything you have around you is, has been hijacked, is manufactured, and isn't real. It's simply an illusion from every, every single facet of your life. And this isn't something new. You're just realizing it now. You are now realizing how things actually work. And it was... Very important for me to stress how your inner gut is supposed to guide you through these times. Now, my tweet today was reminding people of the prodigal son. And I say this because it is quite important that people understand what the foundation of that story is. And I've probably shared this on air before, but uh, I'll reshare it again. The one time I was actually humbled at church, and I cried, like, like burst out, was one time that I had arrived really early, um, had like, you know, two days, and I wanted to see my parents, and I stopped off um, in Greece. I just popped in there. And so I never go to St. John's Church, ever. I, I've said this before, and it was a long time ago, and I remember um, going, uh, it was early, so I went to that church for some reason, uh, not the Annunciation, and I put my my bag, uh, my little suitcase by the door, 
and I open the church doors and it's really windy, right? <laughs> and I open the door and I hear the priest giving his, you know, lesson of the day. <laughs> Come my son who was far away land sinning. Nah, nah, nah. Come my child, he said, actually, not my son. And so as the doors open and the wind blows back, like dramatic, right? It was like so like dramatic. I hear, come my child that has gone so far. I mean, it was, you know, everybody in the church turned because, you know, I am a klutz sometimes. And I just opened it up like, and then the wind took it. And it was one of the most humbling experiences because I felt like the priest was talking to me. I didn't realize that it was the celebration of the prodigal son. And it was, it was, I have to say, a reminder, which I quickly forgot, of course, because, you know, life and distractions and putting our priorities wrong. Um, but there were always such reminders throughout my life to remind me to get back on track. So, um, Actually, I found a video, which amazingly, all these incredible videos that inspire us have lions as, a, as an image. And I want you guys to listen to that and listen to the words, what they really mean and what it is telling you. Just listen to it with open ears. You don't have to be a Christian. Just listen to the words. Here we go. Let's get that going. There was a man who had two sons. The younger one said to his father, Father, give me my share of the estate. So he divided his property between them. Not long after that, the younger son got together all he had, set off for a distant country, and there squandered his wealth in wild living. After he had spent everything, there was a severe famine in that whole country, and he began to be in need. So, he went and hired himself out to a citizen of that country, who sent him to his fields to feed pigs. He longed to fill his stomach with the pods that the pigs were eating, but no one gave him anything. When he came to his senses, he said, How many of my father's hired servants have food to spare? And here I am starving to death. I will set out and go back to my father and say to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and against you. I am no longer worthy to be called your son. Make me like one of your hired servants. So he got up and went to his father. But while he was still a long way off, his father saw him and was filled with compassion for him. He ran to his son, threw his arms around him and kissed him. The son said to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and against you. I am no longer worthy to be called your son. But the father said to his servants, Quick, bring the best robe and put it on him. Put a ring on his finger and sandals on his feet. Bring the fattened calf and kill it. Let us have a feast and celebrate. 
For this son of mine was dead and is alive again. He was lost and is found. So they began to celebrate. Meanwhile, the older son was in the field. When he came near the house, he heard music and dancing. So he called one of the servants and asked him what was going on. Your brother has come, he replied, and your father has killed the fatted calf because he has him back safe and sound. The older brother became angry and refused to go in. So his father went out and pleaded with him, but he answered his father, Look, all these years I have been slaving for you and never disobeyed your orders. Yet you never gave me even a young goat so I could celebrate with my friends. But when this son of yours who has squandered your property with prostitutes comes home, you kill the fatted calf for him. My son, the father said, you are always with me, and everything I have is yours. But we had to celebrate and be glad, because this brother of yours was dead and is alive again. He was lost and is found. And just like the prodigal son, America has been lost and now has been found. And it has been found within your sights. It is never too late. You hear that all the time. Never too late. Never too late to do this. Never too late to do that. Correct? Well, this is the same thing with our nation. It is never too late to say, damn, I didn't participate. I didn't pay attention. I let them guide me like a pig to slaughter. <laughs> I was not paying attention. I was focusing on the wrong things. I wasn't focusing on me. And I'll explain. So I'll, I'll, I'll confession time. I'll tell you any single time I've met with a priest or a spiritual confidant, my constant complaint is, is that I do not make time for myself. And this has been uh, something on me uh, when, when I got ill about uh, seven years ago. Um, I felt like there's not enough time and I'm not important right now. Time is of the essence. And I have complained about it, making time for me, making time to just, you know, put on a face mask, making time to just lay in bed and think, um, making time uh, to do something for me, no one else, just me. And, you know, it's not, it's not maybe like a hero complex. There's a joke in my family. Oh, you just can be the hero now, you know, because I always put my children first whenever I had time with them because I hardly had any time with them in my life. Um, so I would always pour time into other people, uh, my church, my, 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 my friends, you know, who I would consider a friend because I have very few of those. I, and very few people really know me. 
And so, because, you know, with my line of work, <laughs> I mean, how do you make friends? But I want you guys to think of the same thing. Your nation is you. Your ability to live, work, thrive, create a family, and perpetuate is you, your community, your nation. So I believe that all of us should think of it that way. All of us haven't made time for ourselves to see what's really, really important within ourselves. What is really important right now for you? I just want this over with and just go back to how it was. How was it? You were under a spell. You couldn't see. You thought everything on TV was real. And some of you may have said, nope, it's fake. But you still kept moving forward without really ruffling any feathers. We have to love thyself. And to love thyself, not saying, oh, I love my body every inch of it. I take care of myself. I do self-care. I meditate. I take baths. That's one thing that came out wrong in a conversation yesterday. I was like, you know, I haven't taken a bath in months. And taking a bath means I can't have my device with, well, I can't, but you know what I mean. Um, I have to relax. I have to sit. And it hasn't been for months. I mean, I haven't even slept. I mean, starting today, I've said to myself, well, you know, I'm going to be in bed at 9 p.m. Like, I, unless there's some extraordinary circumstance, I'm going to be in bed then. So um, I received a gift of bath salts, which I will not sniff, but I will put in a bathtub to make time for myself. I think we need to give time to our nation, to itself. And the only way we do that is by self-care, by caring for our nation. And so many of us are craving that right now because we have let others run that for us, force us to take car wash showers, force us to work endless hours where we have no time to pay attention to our nation. No time. We just, whatever, just get on with it. You're more powerful than me, so I'm just going to put my head down. I need to be quiet because I might die. They might destroy me. So who cares? Is your life worth living as a slave? Think about it. Think about it. Does it really matter? You think what? Oh, I just did my, you know, I did my, I put my head down. I just focused on, you know, me, my immediate family, and that's it. And then I died. Where's your footprint in the sand? You were just like many others. The way you do it is by taking control of your nation. And one thing that I've noticed in the past year especially with this new muzzle, this new strategy to usher people into silence, right? This infodemic, because it's not a pandemic, it's an infodemic. This infodemic has allowed us to look within ourselves and understand where we sit, what is important to us? And it's very important to understand that. You know, if the United States of America was a person, it's slaughtering the fattest calf right now for all of you. It's celebrating for all of you, all of you, because we're understanding. We cannot have faith without understanding that we love. And it's unconditional. That is the key, unconditional. 
and consistency, of course. So there was a clip that was that was um that I had saved maybe you know somewhere on a tan board and I guess maybe it was circled or I don't know but there's a a clip that I want you guys to listen to I played portions of this maybe a couple years ago when I first started my show um and it is an eye opener I've I've played a couple from uh, a very long time ago in the 70s, uh, in the 60s, talking about the things that we are going through right now. So if you're listening to me on your headphones, watching me on YouTube, Facebook, DLive, Twitch, relax and listen or watch as well, because this is probably going to educate you more than the past five years have. We all know that you can't believe everything you read, but at the same time, most journalists do try their level best to get the facts straight. It requires checking and wherever possible, a first-hand account of what's happening. But an eyewitness account is not always possible, particularly in nasty wars on the other side of the world. And so reporters sometimes have to rely on other people's accounts. The story then becomes as good as its source, and sources sometimes lie. The U.S. Central Intelligence Agency, the CIA, deals in information and misinformation. Tonight we see how the CIA has been able to plant news reports that aren't just inaccurate, but totally fabricated. This is Angola, a former Portuguese colony in southwest Africa that's been at war since the mid-70s. Its left-wing government, supported by Cuban soldiers, fights a continual battle against guerrillas backed by South Africa. Ten years ago, the Soviets helped send guns and troops here, and the United States responded with support for the guerrillas. According to newspapers at the time, that's how the Angolan War started. But did it? John Stockwell, wearing the cross, worked for the CIA for 12 years as a colonel his last assignment was to run the U.S. campaign in Angola. The basic theme was to make it look like a, a Russian-Cuban aggression in Angola. And so any kind of story that you could write and get into the media anywhere that, that pushed that line, you did. Uh, one third of my staff in this task force was covert action, was propagandists, whose professional career jobs was making up stories and finding ways to get them into the press. In 1975, the resource-rich African country was being fought over by three factions. Agostino Neto led the left-wing MPLA, which eventually became the government. Jonas Savimbi, an anti-Marxist, led UNITA, which was openly supported by South Africa. And another anti-communist force was led by Holden Roberto, who had been paid by the CIA for 14 years and was now to receive major U.S. support. The CIA had just closed down three long-term paramilitary operations in Southeast Asia, uh, Vietnam, Cambodia, and Laos. They had over a thousand paramilitary case officers come flocking back to Washington. They didn't have desks for everybody, much less jobs, and morale was rock bottom low. They wanted a covert action. They wanted a paramilitary encounter. The rationale uh, was that uh, uh, the Soviet Union was trying to take advantage of the United States' weakness right after the, the Vietnam War. 
that Angola was getting its independence and they were trying to snap it up. And that Henry Kissinger decided that we could not be weak and we wouldn't let them do it. Our own files disproved that. We moved into Angola first and Russians were responding to us. But before the CIA could move, the U.S. National Security Council had to be sold and Stockwell helped with the briefings. The first briefings on Angola literally went, gentlemen, this is a map of Africa. Here is Angola. And then they went on with a chart to explain there are three liberation movements in Angola. One of them is headed by Holden Roberto. He's the good guy. We've worked with him for years, and they use literally good guy. Then the, the MPLA is headed by this drunken, psychotic Marxist poet, Augustino Neto. He's the bad guy. And they used exactly the so to make sure that people understood. <laughs> Once the National Security Council had given its blessing, Stockwell and the CIA cranked up their propaganda machine. And the newspapers around the world became unwitting accomplices in the campaign. From the CIA's headquarters, Stockwell sent his propagandists to Britain, Portugal, Zambia, and Zaire. Far from the battlefield in Angola, they wrote news releases for the two Western-backed factions, and these were fed into the ticker tapes of the Western media. Stockwell's CIA men also wined and dined Western journalists and gave them personal briefings. His man in Zambia was particularly enthusiastic. He ran a story that the city of Malangi had been captured by the UNITA forces, and in doing so, it captured 20 Russian advisors. And uh, they thought this would show that Russians were running the thing in Angola. There weren't Russian advisors. It wasn't a factor, and we knew that. But the story did well. The Toronto Star, like many newspapers, picked it up from Reuters News Agency. It was also carried in the Montreal Gazette and in the Vancouver Sun. I, I remember reporting that very clearly. Fred Berglund was the writer's reporter who filed the story from Zambia. But, um, years later, I discovered that um, a little CIA um, misinformation expert had sat in the um, U.S. Embassy in Lusaka and had composed that communique, and it bore absolutely no relationship at all to truth. You've got to remember, at that stage, during a war, um, you're working under incredible pressure. I, I worked for four months without a day off for 16 hours a day. And all that was wanted was a flow of information. I mean, I, I'd done the same in the Middle East War. I, I was based in Damascus. And in the first week of the war in Damascus, I, I wiped out the Israeli Air Force three times over with official statements. Reuters, with its headquarters here on London's Fleet Street, is one of the world's largest news agencies. Its international bureaus provide many newspapers with their only source of news from far parts of the globe. Well, I mean, with hindsight, um, some of the official statements from the side I was reporting, and I stress from the side I was reporting, but also from the side that people in, um, in Luanda with the MPLA were reporting, clearly most of those, those statements were completely false. The CIA man in Zambia soon came up with an even better story. He had some Cuban soldiers uh, raping some young Angolan girls. Uh, then there was a battle and he had uh, that Cuban unit cut off and captured. And then he had the Cuban women, the victims, identifying their rapists. And then there was a trial and they were convicted. And then he had them executed by a firing squad of the women who had supposedly been violated with photographs 
of, of, of young African women with uh, weapons shooting down these Cubans. Uh, there had never been a rape. There had never been the military action. The Cubans had never been captured. Uh, it was all fiction. Fiction, maybe. But it showed up on the front page of papers like the Toronto Star. The Toronto Globe and Mail also ran the story, and its headline attributed it to Angolan guerrillas. Many other Canadian newspapers in cities like Winnipeg, Montreal, and Halifax picked up the story. Basically, and to put it very crudely, you can um, publish any old crap you like, and it will get um, get a um, newspaper room. But despite the best efforts of the CIA, the armies it supported didn't stand much of a chance once Cuban soldiers showed up. The force led by the man who'd been on the CIA payroll, Holden Roberto, was wiped out. And UNITA and the South Africans made a hasty retreat. Back in Washington, Congress didn't want another Vietnam and voted against spending any more money in Angola. More recently, the CIA has found work for its skilled writers in Central America, particularly in the campaign against the Sandinistas in Nicaragua. First, the arms flow story. According to President Reagan, Nicaragua supplied guns to left-wing guerrillas in neighboring El Salvador. The Sandinista dictatorship of Nicaragua, with full Cuban-Soviet bloc support, not only persecutes its people, the church, and denies a free press, but arms and provides bases for communist terrorists attacking neighboring states. David McMichael was the CIA's senior analyst on Nicaragua. He was asked to write a report on the arms flow, but when he looked at the evidence, it didn't support Reagan's claims. The, the argument that we're dealing with here is, do these arms come through or from Nicaragua with the complicity of the Nicaraguan government? And the evidence does not sustain that. In 1981, the CIA asked McMichael for a report on the Nicaraguan press, opposition, and church. And my, my conclusion was that, uh, you know, there was a significant space for these, uh, for these groups to operate, uh, but that they were in no, in no danger of suppression or disappearance. Compared to any other Central American country, Nicaragua has by far the liveliest uh, opposition press and media. Over two-thirds, for example, of the 40-odd radio stations in the country are, are still privately owned and generally speak their mind. When McMichael spoke his mind, the CIA didn't like it. He was fired. But after four years of fighting, now the Nicaraguan government has suspended many freedoms. In the world's newsrooms, the CIA efforts at disinformation continued to turn up. In 1982, reporters were shown photographs of what the CIA said were Soviet bases in Nicaragua, identifiable by their Soviet-styled obstacle courses, training areas, and guns. I used to laugh and say, look at that Soviet-style baseball diamond over there, you know. Um, you know, this is, this is almost foolish, really, you know, to talk about this. First of all, they're not Soviet military bases. That's, that's the whole point. The second is that a barracks is a barracks. You know, an obstacle course is an obstacle course. Soviet freighter Bakuriani pulled into the Nicaraguan port of Corinto today, carrying a mystery cargo which could lead to a showdown between Sandinista... Just over a year ago, on the day President Reagan was re-elected, his administration came up with another Nicaragua story. This one had to do with Soviet MiG fighters, 
which Washington said had been shipped to Nicaragua in some mysterious crates detected by satellite surveillance. The result was more headlines. But as the story developed, doubts began to emerge. Ronald Reagan had a warning today for Nicaragua and for the Soviet Union. Reagan said the U.S. still cannot confirm reports that Nicaragua has received a shipment of MiG-21 jets. But he said if the reports turn out to be true, the U.S. would take a very dim view. The Nicaraguan government has denied that crates taken off a Soviet freighter today contain any warplanes. And it's accused Reagan of trying to whip up an invasion fever. By week's end, U.S. officials were saying there weren't any MiGs after all. It's the usual thing. The charge makes the headlines. The retraction makes the inside pages. Eight or ten days later, it's revealed, well, MiGs weren't on the way, but that's no longer a headline. So what one is left with is the overall impression from the screaming headlines of the week earlier that Nicaragua continues to represent this enormous danger to the security of the United States. This nation of three million impoverished souls, half of whom are under the age of 15, you know. Well, I would, I, I would say people are very silly if they believe everything that newspapers tell them. And I think pro probably anybody who buys a newspaper needs a course on how to read newspapers. Well, then, I mean, YouTube didn't like that at all, did they? <laughs> they took it down hard and fast hard and fast and that's because truth is something they don't want you to know this is why they control every single facet of our access to information uh that was always the plan right because information is the pool of knowledge and a knowledgeable citizen, a person with knowledge, is one of the most dangerous weapons to kings, queens, and tyrants. Because when you have knowledge, nothing can stop what's coming. So um, it, it's pretty weird because the audio slash video that I played was uh, actually played off of YouTube. So that's super bizarre, isn't it? But here's another little clip. Uh, that someone shared a snippet that's quite interesting, too. Take a listen. There are other functions, however, some of them more legitimate than others. One is to run secret wars, the covert action that's written and talked about so much, like what's happening in Nicaragua today from Honduras. Another thing is to disseminate propaganda to influence people's minds, and this is a major function of the CIA. And uh, unfortunately, of course, it overlaps into the gathering of information. You, you have contact with a journalist, you will give him true stories, you'll get information from him, you'll also give him false stories. But you do buy his confidence with true stories? You buy his confidence and set him up. We've seen this happen in, uh, recently with Jack Anderson, for example, who, who has his intelligence sources, and he has also admitted that he's been set up by them. You know, every fifth story just simply being false. Uh, you also work on their human vulnerabilities to recruit them in a classic sense, to make them your agent so that you can control what they do, so you don't have to set them up sort of, you know, by, by putting one over on them. So you can say, here, plant this one next Tuesday. 
Can you do this with responsible reporters? Yes, the church committee brought it out in 1975, and then Woodward and Bernstein put an article in Rolling Stone a couple of years later. Uh, 400 journalists cooperating with the CIA, uh, including some of the biggest names in the business, mm -hmm. to consciously introduce the stories into the press. Well, give me a concrete example of how you use the press this way, how a false story is planted and how you got it published. Well, for example, in my, my war, the Angola war that I helped to manage, uh, one third of my staff was propaganda. Ironically, it's called covert action inside the CIA. Outside, that means the violent part. Uh, I had propagandists all over the world, principally in London, Kinshasa, and Zambia. We, were, we would take stories which we would write and put them in the Zambia Times and then pull them out and send them to a, a journalist on our payroll in Europe but his cover story, you see, would be that he would, he'd gotten them from his stringer in Lusaka who had gotten them from the Zambia Times. We had the complicity of the government of Zambia, Kenneth Kaunda, if you will, to put these false stories into his newspapers. But after that point, the journalists, uh, Reuters and AFP, uh, the management was not witting of it. Now, our contact man in Europe was, and we pumped just, just dozens of stories about Cuban atrocities, Cuban rapists, uh, in one case, we had the Cuban rapists caught uh, and tried by the Ovimbundu maidens who had been their victims, and then we ran photographs that made almost every newspaper in the country of the Cubans being executed by the Ovimbundu women who supposedly had been their victims. But these were fake photos? Oh, absolutely. We didn't know of one single atrocity committed by the Cubans. It was pure, raw, false propaganda to, to create a an illusion of communists, you know, eating babies for breakfast and that sort of totally false propaganda. Exciting clip, wasn't it? But how true does it ring today? That was from, <laughs> you know, back in the day. And, you know, people think conspiracy theory. Really? 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 Conspiracy? How is that for a conspiracy? Totally true. Now, Today, like I said, we're going to talk about options. I'm going to tell you the options they're giving you. I'm going to tell you the options that some people think they are. But I'm going to tell you the option that the president of the United States is most likely to take because this is the way he wins hard. He winning means we win. Not anybody else. We win. If he wins, we win. If he wins, we win. So. I'm going to uh, take a quick break. I, I really need to fix this, uh, um, this stream. And I'm going to play a clip of our president. Remember what he said. Remember what he said. I will fight for you with every breath of my body, and I will never let you down. That is what he told us when he swore in. Listen. We assembled here today are issuing a new decree to be heard in every city, in every foreign capital, and in every hall of power. From this day forward, a new vision will govern our land. From this day forward, it's going to be only America first. America first. Every decision on trade, 
on taxes, on immigration, on foreign affairs will be made to benefit American workers and American families. We must protect our borders from the ravages of other countries making our products, stealing our companies, and destroying our jobs. Protection will lead to great prosperity and strength. I will fight for you with every breath in my body, and I will never, ever let you down. Remember that. He told you that. I will never, ever let you down, and I will fight with every breath in my body. This is key. I don't care what side of the political sphere you think you sit at. Whatever side you think, Republican or Democrat, you lose. You lose, you lose, you lose. The only thing that should matter to you right now is your community, your surroundings. Because when you hear the options, you're going to be like, well, there's got to be another one. And I um, am going to be working on putting a video together depicting those options for those that need the visual simulation, for those that uh, need it more condensed. And, you know, I'm, I'm very lucky to have someone that can do that for me <laughs> because I can put it simply enough and I can use fancy lingo, but that doesn't resonate with everyone. We all are stimulated in certain ways, in different ways. And what we have to understand that we're all individuals, but we have to be able to see the same thing. We're, we're supposed to be able to visualize the same thing. So consistency is key. You know, I've been telling the world who I am. Have they been telling you who they are? Another person that's been telling you who they are is the president of the United States. Did you know that the first tweet he ever, ever tweeted was, be sure to tune in and watch Donald Trump on Late Night with David Letterman. Did you know that? Yeah, that was his first tweet. So let's get some comedic relief here, but some irony too. <laughs> um, this is uh, from May 4th, 2009. I want you guys to enjoy this show. Uh, this is a comedic relief portion before we roll into the real David Letterman video that I want you guys to listen to, to understand that if you're listening carefully enough, everybody tells you who they are. Uh, ladies and gentlemen, here's tonight's top 10 list. Category tonight, uh, oh, and, uh, and they're worried now uh, that this recession could go on and on and on. So I said to myself, what can we do to help people feel better about the recession? And, and somebody said, information, information, that's how you fight ignorance, information. Let's throw some information at the folks, they're going to feel better. Uh, so tonight, ladies and gentlemen, the category is Donald Trump financial tips. Donald Trump financial tips. And here to present the top 10 list, the Celebrity Apprentice star. Donald Trump, ladies and gentlemen. 
Donald Trump, ladies and gentlemen. Okay. We had a uh, Donald, a woman in the audience over the weekend won 60 bucks on the Kentucky Derby. 60 bucks. You got to bet big to win big. Okay, here we go. Uh, Donald Trump financial tips number 10. Only buy things that are essential, like golf courses and beauty pageants. Yeah. Number nine. When nobody's watching, I go into the 7-Eleven and stick my head under a soda nozzle. Yeah. Yeah. Number eight. Save money by styling your own hair. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, buddy. Uh, number seven. Sell North Dakota to the Chinese. Yeah. <laughs> All right, we're going to stop it right there for a second. Sell North Dakota to the Chinese. So one thing that I've been talking about, and it's been a while, but I know a lot of you have seen my AI China uh, podcast and heard it from January 1st. Um, was it 2019? I forget. Um, that was the let there be light, the January 1st, where I told you about Cerebrus Capital, where I told you about all the shenanigans that you're seeing today, yesterday, and the day before. I told you about on the 1st. But there's one AI in China that is the uh, New Year's Day, New Year's Eve episode that I did in 2019. Um, I want you guys to understand that North Dakota is on the border with Canada. And now what I had said with the Chinese uh, being everywhere in Canada is now coming to light, of course, right? Of course. But one thing that I said that everybody needs to be careful of is these agreements that Native American reservations have made with the United Nations. Because this is how they're going to play out in the options that you're going to hear in the second hour of the show. And North Dakota has been sold to the Chinese. Remember, Doug Burgum, the governor of North Dakota, is a super friendly to the Chinese. Uh, he's the one that started the whole track and trace, trace and track and mask mandates when people live 100 miles from each other, still need masks. China, 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 China. Hmm. Number seven, sell North Dakota the Chinese. <laughs> he knew, because you know what? It was back in 2008 when the negotiations started with the Chinese in North Dakota. And actually, what's incredible is that right before he said all this, in 2009, the first Darn agreements with the Chinese had been put in place. Hmm. Isn't that right, Senate, now Senator Hoven? The world is watching you and your stupid porn stash. Pay attention to the details here. Yeah. <laughs> Number six. Double your money at the Trump Taj Mahal Casino, home of the loosest slots in Atlantic City. Yeah. Number five. Very simple. Just panic. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> Number four. 
For tip number four, simply send me $29.95. Yeah. <laughs> number three. If all else fails, steal someone's identity. Yeah. <laughs> number two. We're screwed. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> and the number one Donald Trump financial tip. The fastest way to get rich, marry and divorce me. There you go. Well, let's take that to heart. The United States of America has married President Donald J. Trump. And when we divorce him, because we have to, life and all, you know, the creator and all, we are going to be rich. Rich with our culture, our foundation, dictating our own economy. So in essence, I think that's kind of true. Now let's get to the sauce of it. The interview I want you guys to watch with Letterman, with the president, and this is from 1986 to 1987. I'll tell you what, in my household, there were two things that always happened. Saturday morning cartoons with the Smurfs when I was a really young kid, and then my mom watching TV in the evening. I happened to see this portion of the episode, but then I was kicked out of the room because, eh, don't stop, you should be mad, you know. And I'm going to show you what I remembered when crossing the living room and her watching it while eating grapes. Okay. Okay, we'll see what kind of mood he's in. Uh, ladies and gentlemen, please welcome the author of this book right here. Trump, the art of the deal, Donald the Trump. Hi, Donald. Good to see you. Nice, nice of you to stop by. Thank you, David. You know, at the at the beginning of the show, I said you either love him or you hate him. Now, do you find that that's true, or does everybody love you, or does everybody hate you? No, most people love me, and a few really have great distaste for me. Uh -huh. And why, like why, why is it that those people, that few, would not care for you? Because I, you're so I can't successful? Imagine. No, no, I don't think so. It's just uh, I sort of speak my mind a little bit, a little bit like you in that respect. Uh -huh. Yeah. A little bit like A little me. bit like me. Not too much, hopefully. How much, how much are you worth right now as you're sitting right here? <laughs> Zero idea, David. Depends on what's happening with the world and the market. But the million dollars for each person in the audience sounds like it could be an intriguing idea. Yeah, yeah. Do you uh, do, do you do you make more money? You own casinos. How many casinos do you own? We have four casinos. Four casinos in Atlanta. Paradise Island, Atlantic City, and it's really been. Very fabulous. Now, do you make more money from the casinos or more money in real estate development? Well, probably real estate in a sense, but real estate is a, an appreciation business, whereas the casinos are cash flow. And I don't know, I, I never really even think of it in those terms. I try doing a great job. I think we have the best hotel casinos in the world, and hopefully I have the best real estate in the world with Trump Tower and everything, and that's what I like. That's All right, now like. well, let's get back to the assessment of your wealth for a second. If, <laughs> if you had to liquidate if you just decided I'm I'm going somewhere else, I'm going to live in a trailer, and you wanted to sell off, and you wanted to sell off everything, you'd start with your real estate development, all your real estate holdings, and whatever else you have, your casinos, so on and so forth. You sold everything. How big would that check be that you put in your pocket when you headed west for the trailer? Well, I hate to disappoint, but I have zero idea, David. How come this seat is at such a low level? You know, I'm looking at it. 
He's got this stage rigged, folks. No, Just no, no. But give that, us a... that seat is a good half, uh, six six inches higher than my seat. And so am I. Huh? I see. <laughs> But no, I'm serious. I think I think that this, I'm not going to get you off that subject. No, this is. I think I think this is the kind of thing that people love to fantasize about because you're unquestionably one of the most successful men in the country, if not the world, and also one of the wealthiest. So, give us a figure that we might ponder here. <laughs> you'll never get it out of me, David. You'll never get it out of me. You'll try, but you'll never get it. Let's get something like I, you know, I how, read, we're, how we're going to become more successful. Let's talk about. That. I read something this afternoon that said in a, in the bank. Right now, you have $500 million in cash. In cash. Is that a fair? Which paper did you read that in? Well, I can't divulge those sources. You have to give me, to give me the news. No, no, just tell me. Is that not true, or is that close? Am I nuts here? Well, I don't know. I just, you have to tell me where you got that, David. This is a very unusual interview, folks. <laughs> um, you, you won't put a figure. Just an imaginary never have, figure? Never would. Uh, a billion. You're worth a billion dollars? Perhaps. 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 Are we the low side of perhaps or the high side? So this is the side. This is this is the moment that I remember this. I was like, wait, hold on a second. Um, he's upset. I, I, you know, I was just crossing in front of the table and I, I said, oh, he looks really upset. What's this guy doing? Why does he want to know how much money he has in his pocket? I was a kid. <laughs> I was like eight. <laughs> That's so dumb. He doesn't like it. And he's looking to the crowd to help him. It seems weird. Why is he asking him that question on TV? Do people just tell people how much they have in their bank? Go to bed. This is a dump. You shouldn't be up this time. That's what I remembered. That he seemed upset because the questions seemed to be odd. <laughs> Um, what were you like as a kid? What, what kind of childhood did you have? Well, I had a good childhood, wonderful parents, really good parents, and, and it was a, a good, solid childhood, I'd say. Very normal in a lot of respects, but a very, very solid childhood. Yeah. Uh, from where, the standpoint of family. Did, are, are you a driven person? Are you, did you jump out of bed in the morning well, and just... I don't think of myself as driven. I'm fortunate I don't need lots of sleep like some people and some people don't. I don't need that. I would say that I'm somebody that enjoys what I do. and I enjoy it so much that perhaps I do it well, but I really enjoy what I do. I don't like to think of myself as driven. I don't like to think of myself really as ambitious. I just enjoy what I do. Is, is what you do something you've always wanted to do? I know your father uh, was and still is a real estate uh, My developer. My father was in the real estate business and I've, uh, I've been in that and other businesses and uh -huh. different things. Uh, I like what I'm doing. I just enjoy what I'm doing. I love the real estate business. And I love the other businesses that I'm in. Could, could you have done it without your father as, uh, as a support system, uh, both emotionally and financially? Did he help you well, out the when you emotional was very important. I learned a lot from my father, yeah. more than anything else. I learned a lot. My father was out in sort of a tough business in Brooklyn, Queens, rent control property and various properties. And it wasn't a great business. It was a good business. And he was a solid guy and a bright guy. And I learned a lot from my father. I think if, in terms of support, that would be the number one thing that I got yeah. from my father. Have, have you had failures, big failures? Well, I, I, I don't look at failures as failures. I think a failure is something that you really want to learn by. I, I would say that I haven't had too many, and I want to keep it that way. <laughs> I like what, what's it. the biggest bath you've taken on a deal? <laughs> I, I don't know if I can answer it yet. I mean, let's see what happens. 
So far, I've been very fortunate. But I mean, we've all been fortunate. Markets have been going up other than a few weeks Now, did you ago. get hurt in the uh, stock market? Then? Not particularly, but I think everybody gets hurt because when you lose a trillion dollars or whatever throughout the world, I suspect everybody's hurt indirectly. I mean, yeah. in the real estate business, you sell apartments, you sell this, you sell that. Perhaps people don't have as much. Uh, everybody gets hurt by that, David. Let me ask you one more of these silly questions, and I promise after we do the commercial, we'll go on to other topics. Then we're going to get serious, right? Well, I didn't say that. Um, <laughs> What would it take, what kind of a hit would it take to get your attention where you would maybe need a drink? <laughs> where somebody came in and said, Don, we got some bad news. Woo! <laughs> the, uh, that, that's 7-Eleven in Akron, well. <laughs> what? Hopefully, David, I wouldn't be in a position where I'd have to take that kind I of... I know that, I know, we're just... <laughs> We're just pretending. I, wanted, I just want to tell you that. You act like you're running for something. No. Uh, we got to, we'll do a commercial. We'll let him think some of these over and try and get it straight out. Okay, Donald Trump is here. You're on the uh, the cover of the uh, new issue of People magazine. I don't know what I'm beating around the bush here. I don't know why you're being so goofy about this. It says on the cover, you're a billionaire. It does 41. say that. Yeah. If so people would you... says it, I would have to believe it. When people <laughs> say so. Um, when, what's the deal with you and uh, and Ed Koch? Is, is this an old irritation between the two of you, or is this no, something new? No, it's really not. Ed Koch is a man who I've, I've liked at some points in terms of... I, I have no objection to Ed except for one. One thing, he's not a very capable or competent mayor. He's done. A <laughs> he's done a. He's done a bad, as most of you New Yorkers would probably know. He's done a, a pretty bad job running New York, and that hurts me and it hurts everybody. And when I see somebody that's not competent and he's running something and something that I have a big, really a big stake in, it bothers me, and I do something about it. Uh, are you speaking from a position of somebody who has a lot of really, really? special interest in the city? No, it's not a special. I do have a special interest. I have a special interest in New York. New York City is a hot city. It's a great city. It's the greatest city in the world, according to many. And according you're here, and we're also here. Right. And I hate to see some of the things happening with New York that have happened under the administration. So I hit him pretty hard in the book, but I hit him fairly in the uh -huh. book. I hit him very fairly. Yeah. Probably very hard in the book, but very fairly. <laughs> Is, is it uh, kind of a, a pointless defense to say that this city is so big that it is actually unmanageable to a certain extent and he's doing the best he can, sort of just ending it day to day? No, I don't think so. I mean, I hope that's never a defense of anybody. I did the Wellman skating rink in four months for two million or two and a half million dollars. They started seven years before that and were unable to build it. I think they spent something like 15 million dollars. This is a huge ice skating facility in Central Park, yeah. which the city was... Seven years. Seven yes. years. Seven years. They could yes. not get it open. They could not build it. Yeah. And we did it in four months. So, you know, you say, hey, it's big and everything else, and give them a little bit more time. But the fact is, that's a disgrace. The zoos are a disgrace. The subways, the, the schools. Um, but and, by the way, like he said, in four months, he fixed it. And the deal was that he has his logo there, and he fixed everything. $10 million. New York couldn't do anything for seven years. Six and a half years, to be exact. Kind of like the same deal that I brought up in, uh, I don't know, the state of North Dakota. Six and a half years, they couldn't get flood protection up. They couldn't get the U.S. Army Corps engineer to do a survey. Huh. Oh, it was Canada's fault. Shut up. It was your fault. You wanted to put 
those citizens in debt. Your damn stupid state-run bank was getting broke. Again, what have I said about that state? A very important state. Nobody pays attention. Look at the flag and look at the fact that they have their own state-owned bank. And their motto is, out of many, one. You should be paying attention because the future is already written out in many timelines. But in all of them, that state plays a very key role. Very key role. But, but, but it's really, David, it's really management. It's management, it's competence, it's capability. It's, uh, it's just basic ability, and Ed Koch doesn't have it. Yeah, but you're speaking again from the over-the-fence in private enterprise. He's trying to run a municipal administration. It can be done. By you think right, it could be done? Absolutely. By the right person, it could be done. Yeah. Uh, any thoughts? I mean, would you want to be mayor of the no, city? No, I wouldn't want to be mayor. It'd run very well if I was mayor, but I would not want to be uh, the mayor of New York. Is there something you do want? No, I just want to keep doing what I'm doing. I mean, yeah. I'm on your show. You're a fantastic show. You're a star in my book. Everyone's talking about <laughs> yeah, I know. We I appreciate all, uh, that. We, we wrote all about David in the big book. Now, that's another thing. We came that. up to you that one afternoon, completely unannounced. We were in the lobby of the, the Trump Tower facility right. up the road there, and we just called up and said, can we come up and see Don? And they said, come on up. Absolutely. Now, how busy can you be? I, I'm not busy at all. <laughs> uh, but you that were was actually, a lot of fun, by the way. Yeah, coming fun. up was a lot of fun. And, and I must say, I thought that was very gracious of you, too, because obviously you've got a lot better things to do than, than goof around with me. You're right. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, and, and what about the, uh, are people trying to draft you to run for president up in New Hampshire? Well, I guess a lot of people want to see this country... Uh, it's, it's a shame what's happening. Japan, Saudi Arabia, Kuwait, they're all, everybody's taking advantage of the United States. People know that if certain people are running a country, that it won't happen. I mean, when you look at Japan, not paying for the defense, we're defending Japan. We're losing billions and billions of dollars. We're fighting for AIDS help and for farmers and for this and that. And it's a shame. And, and the Japanese folks, who I respect greatly, but they're not, they're not treating us fairly. They're really not treating us fairly. Kuwait, Saudi Arabia... They're not paying us anything for the services we're rendering, and I think it's a disgrace. And I think people look at certain people, and maybe me, if that if I were in a position, this country, believe me, would not be ripped off like it is. And it, it is just being ripped off so badly by our so-called allies. Yeah. So so that that's a pretty uh, uh, strong statement. So now, are you? I don't saying think it's that strong. I think it's fair. And by the way, I have tremendous respect for the Japanese. I have I do a lot of business with the Japanese, and they smile about it too. They know it. The country is losing billions and billions of dollars to Japan, and we can't afford to lose. And it's a shame. It's but a so shame now, are you, are you saying this by way of indicating that you could do it better and you do intend to run for president at some no, point? No, I'm not going to run for president, but I, I think somebody... Now, in, do, in eight years, if you came back, would you have a different answer? In four years? I tend to doubt back? it. I really tend really? to doubt it. But I, I just think that there are so many ways that this country can straighten itself out, and we're not going about those ways. Cutting yeah. farm aid is not the appropriate thing. Cutting help for the homeless and help for the poor yeah. and welfare... Certain things can be done that really will mean big dollars to this country. And those things are not being done right now. Let me ask you one other question, because um, I know you have other appointments and stuff to get to. If you go to dinner and the bill is like, say, $25, <laughs> how much of a tip would you throw down? Well, <laughs> you know, the way I feel about tips, if somebody does a super job, yeah. I give more than anyone. And if somebody does a lousy job, I probably give less than anybody, and that's the way I feel about life. Life should be, you should be rewarded for competence and capability and doing a job and having a smile on your face, maybe, if that's the case. And 
I'm a pretty good tipper when somebody's good, and I'm a pretty lousy tipper if somebody's not good. So that's yeah. the way it is. But, you know, sitting here listening to this stuff, it seems to me you are dying to get to some pl public platform to superimpose those feelings upon the American awareness. Well, maybe, uh, maybe so, but I'm not. I, I would like to have the feelings known and let somebody else do it, and it can be done. If it's, yeah. if it's carried, if the ball's carried correctly, it can be done. Yeah, but if you want something done right, do it yourself. <laughs> Uh, here's uh, the book. It's uh, Trump, the, the Art of the Deal, and uh, this is Donald Trump. Donald, thank, thank you, you very much for coming out. How was that interview? So long ago, right? We just time traveled to long, long time ago to be 24 years, right? 24 years to be a guy, if I'm not mistaken. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. No, more than 24 years. 34 years. 34 years. 34 years. More than that. <laughs> Consistency. Consistency. Consistency in everything. Now, you know, when you uh, put together um, predictive analytics, the eyes that are putting together the predictions are key, are key. And so when you recognize that a threat is coming your way, you provoke the threat, you push the threat to make um, decisions early to shift what it is they want to shift. But let's talk about that deal, Art of the Deal book for a second. The one thing the president has said many times is when you're negotiating something, when you're talking, the first thing you have to do is talk about your strengths. And then what you do is highlight the other side's weakness. This is very important as you hear his speeches or what he tells us or what he tweets to us in the next 10 days. It is important that you remember that. Negotiations. And in order for someone to successfully have the upper hand in a deal, President's key lesson in his book is you have to make the other person believe you have what they secretly want. Hmm? That's how it is. So keep those two things in mind. Okay? Keep those two things in mind. When you're listening to the president, when he speaks, tweets, or says anything. Now, one thing from that book that was a key statement was that many people become successful simply because they did not give up, even with total lack of encouragement. So without encouragement, people are able to win. People are able to succeed, even if they don't have someone cheering them on and telling them how amazing you are. So right now, the president has been telling you for the past four years as your president, how amazing the people are. He's been telling the left. He's been telling the right. You guys are amazing. You are incredible. You have all the power, everything. You are in charge. You are incredible. You're being given encouragement. Let's succeed. So these are very important key concepts to understand because as we move forward in this show now, right after an awesome song, right? We're going to talk about the options that we have. Wait, before we go to the awesome song, I want to share something with you. 
first. It's a personal thing. So a friend of mine um, for Christmas uh, got me a painting done by an artist. Now there's a link to it. It's on YouTube because this artist actually um, videos creation of the art. This is one of the most steganographic um, paintings I've seen. And something else, TTT, I tell you it's time traveling Tori, but it's really standing for something else. And hopefully, if you look at this painting, you'll understand what it stands for. This artist blew my mind. Take a watch. So the artist's name is Zach Prolo. He's, um, for those of you that are watching, he's done tons and tons of paintings. He actually does music as well. Quite artistic and can channel, uh, he can really channel what people want. I mean, I was very impressed as he ha how he took the temporal aspect of it and, um, you know, blew my mind. Fun fact. Did you know that that whole show was created by the intelligence community of um, uh, England? Yes, the crown. <laughs> it's almost like, eh, you know, we're, we're telling the world. <laughs> uh, just saying. So um, I just thought I could share that during this break. Um, before we get into the nitty gritty, and this is why it was very important that all of us uh, kind of remind ourselves who the president is and what is happening because it's all lies, lies, and lies. So now another big lie that people tell you is that there's always two sides you can pick. There's only two options you can have, right? Those are the lies that they tell us all the time. So no, we make our own. Now they've even sprung up a third one, but it'll make sense. You'll get it. You'll understand what us being in DC represents and what is going on. See you in just a bit. Close my, close my, close my eyes Then I couldn't find a way So I settled for one day to believe in you Tell me, tell me, tell me lies Tell me lies, tell me sweet little lies Tell me lies. Tell me, tell me lies. Oh, no, no, you can't disguise. Lies, lies, and more lies. That's what they tell you. So let's get down to the nitty gritty. Where are we at, guys? Where are we at? What are our options? How's this? What are the options they're telling us? What are the options the world is telling us, which right now, we're really in for a show, man. This is like popcorn time for people like me that can see. But think about it. Right now, everyone's terrified. Oh, no one's been arrested. No one's done anything. Look at all this evidence we have. Nothing is being done, man. And you haven't been paying attention. See, the way things like this come up and the way they are taken and unleashed is by the people unrolling this thread and weave of lies. So where are we at? 
We have a whole world watching us because they're waiting. They're already on the next level. Shoot. Their reset has begun. You can't walk out your door in Europe, Africa, Asia, without the government knowing where you're going and what foot you're going to put in front of which foot while you walk. Drones telling them to go home. Their phone devices are their lifeline. Hey, I want to go to my friend's house. You text. Government says you're loud. You go. <laughs> Do you know what's, what the difference is between the United States of America and the rest of the world? There's one difference. One difference. As a nation, what's the difference? We have guns. They don't. Hence why for eight years, the Barack Hussein Obama administration used a lot of the this person doesn't exist.com faces to put out fake stories. I mean, Balls Nightclub, like that's what's up. Where are all the buried people? I mean, so many died. They wanted your guns and they were willing to shoot you down for them. That's the one thing that we have that nobody else has. Guns. Guns, guns, and guns. I mean, there's like almost a ministry of cutlery in England right now. Can't have special knives. You've got to have a permit to have anything but a plastic knife to cook with, per se. Not yet, but it's coming. And I'm people with weapons, you know. So where are we at? The whole world is watching, waiting. Dude, America, if you screw this up, get your crap together and subdue those people now. Canada's like, we're on ready with the Chinese. Tell us when, UN. This is what's happening. We're surrounded. We are surrounded. But the problem is, the whole world is watching. And they have to be very, very careful. So here are the options that we as American citizens, are being told we have, okay? And I'll label the options that failed, of course, miserably. So for those that work within the government, have worked within the government, not work within the government, scholars and whatnot, the first option everyone will tell you is, bend the knee and just yield. Get over it. You lost. We won. He's going to be president. Tough noogies. Bend the knee. So that's your one option. Bend the knee, go out with a silent whimper in the night. And maybe, and maybe we won't kill you first, right? Maybe. That's option number one. Option number two. Option number two is we're going to inaugurate a president virtually. We're going to be in our own separate White House that Tory should not know about. And we're then going to have President Trump sitting there as a president, claiming he's president, but we're going to be telling the world and all those disgruntled leftist plants that have been, been placed in there for the past three decades to choose. Department of Defense, are you supporting Joe Biden or Trump? Military, which branch is supporting Biden or Trump? Department of Labor. Department of anything you want. Which camp are you picking? And suddenly we're cut in half and it is a bloody, 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 bloody war.
so bloody. And it's going to get even worse because the minute that happens, North Dakota is going to open their arms to the United Nations and say, come help us. We're at war. And then North Dakota is going to proclaim themselves is the capital. Well, where the capital should be. Because the United Nations will come in and help. And Chinese will come from Canada and they will help us. <laughs> so you want civil war? All of you are wearing war paint on your face. Your guns are ablazing. Eh, eh, wrong answer. That's not what we want. That is not what we want. It's 2020, man. We don't hang people in the middle of the square anymore, right? We don't do that. We don't do that. What do we do? We think. So they're telling you, well, there was a third option, which was Pence is going to totally come through and reject the electors. Yes, he is. And it's like, okay. So obviously you haven't heard my story of Mike Pence turning up to Minot Air Force Base a couple days after I outed a huge fraud just a few days before the announcement of the, uh, so November 1st, just so you know, November 1st, the U.S. Army Corps engineer was like, guess what? We're done with the Mouse River. We'll be in North Dakota on the 30th of November to tell you what's up, right? So that totally happened. And I'm telling you, and this can be verified, that Pence didn't even get permission from the president. At that time, he has his own, he had his own pack, right? And he turned up to Minot Air Force Base without permission for the pre president's like, where are you going? Why'd he go there? He didn't ask me. Why did he turn up? Oh, and guess what? Tory has a bunch of emails, right? From big generals, right? Brigadiers, right? Highway patrol, state officials talking shit about Tory when Vice President Pence was turning up. That's fact, okay? That's fact. They're all part of that case that has thousands and thousands of pages. But see, nobody reads the pages. Everybody likes to talk smack. So Pence let you down, and he's going to freaking let you down again. Unless, unless, unless. So there's an unless alternate scenario on the fourth option of him coming up and rising up on January 6th. <laughs> but let's move forward on that. So we have everything we need. We can prove fraud. We haven't had a fair election in decades. 2016, well, you know, shit happens, right, Brennan? And it's like, whoa, whoa, uh, uh. And then you get caught in Georgia. Leaving a little bit of breadcrumbs. You know, if the person ever got caught, that would be destruction of government property. They'd probably go to jail. So let's just be grateful that the scripts weren't deployed and President Trump broke the algorithm. People were really, really pissed. So moving along, that's options one, two, and then three is Pence, right? Pence, 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 Pence. That's super. So what is it that we have? Well, version option three is that he's going to oh, help on January 6th. Let's pretend he helps on January 6th. And let's pretend option four happens too. Option four is that we get the votes and it's a 26-24, right? And, and President Trump is declared president. Here's what happens with option four or option three if Pence decides to play, which they'll probably like, okay? Because that still ends in civil war. I want to, to be clear, right? There's still going to be a bloodbath. So you need to understand all these options, one, two, three, four, are all going to end really ugly for us. 
really ugly for us. So let's pretend that option three, version two, which is he failed, you know, in December, maybe he'll come through January 6th, right? That's option three, right? Pence. Option four is the electors and we get 2624, right? Right? So three and four options still end in a bloodbath. Why? So President Trump says, well, you know, it's fair. I, they said, I won. End of story. We have all this fraud, but I won. Look, I'm telling you, they're already warming up to that idea. Because the minute he swears in, he's going to be impeached within two weeks. They have the articles ready. I told the world, these are the articles, dude. Look, 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 look. Look at them. There's going to be articles. They're going to take him to trial, right? And he's going to lose fast, quick, in a heartbeat. Guess what happens then? Civil war. Civil war. Boom. Civil war. So those options suck too. They really do. People will be like, well, He's going to be told, well, look, you know, you got the electors. Just sit on it. You, you won. You're president. There's no standing. The world sees it. You won. It's all right, President Trump. We're good. You know, because everybody keeps talking about the contested states. What's the first thing I said? Nope. All 50 states had fraudulent elections. Not just the contested ones. The contested ones were bait. They wanted you to come. They've got a plan for a backup plan for a backup. How do you know, Tori? Oh, hello. I used to create the backup plans for other countries. So I know exactly how they think. It's kind of like, what was that? What was that um, show? Blacklist. Ooh, that one. I watched it for a bit and then it got stupid. And I was like, yeah, mm, no more. But so we've got options one, two, three, four, all suck. Here's what we really need. Considering that we don't get the 25-25 and Pelosi becomes president and then she picks Biden and then we still have a civil war, right? That one's kind of dwindling because people aren't comfortable with the fact that we know where the senators and Congress people live and they know that we have guns and they're like, oh, no. Um, so no one's going to protect us. So that one's kind of dwindling a little bit, right? Dwindling. It's still there. Dwindling. So it's like option five, ghost option. Here's the real option that we have based on things that will come. Now, if I was advising the president, I'm sure all of you were advising him anyway. The president has 120 million Americans working for him, just like Sidney Powell has 120 million Americans working for her, just like the Defense Intelligence Agency has 120 million Americans working for them. <laughs> we're the best at everything. You don't need to have them hired. Imagine if you guys had clearances when you dig. Damn straight. So think. Here's how it should play out. This is how you win hard. The day comes on January 6th. And a victory is declared for President Trump. Everyone roars. They see the numbers of 1.7 million patriots stomping into D.C., and they can't unsee it. They know just how much trouble they are in if it doesn't go that way. They're like, it's okay. He's going to be impeached anyway. It's an open, shut case. I already told you that. That's why I made sure to file it with my declaration. 
So here it is. They give it to President Trump. And President Trump, he's told by his great advisors that have been doing such a fabulous job. You know, the ones on the book. <laughs> he's not stupid, you know. It's not like he woke up one day and said, I'm going to be president. He was like, no, nah, man, don't make me do it. Don't make me do it. Don't make me. This has been a long time coming. That video was from 86, 87. All right. So here we are where his wonderful advisors are like, President Trump. Oh, wow. So now Biden can't do anything. You win. They lose. It's over. Let's just forget about the fraud and stuff. Let's just move along. Let's heal the nation and unite them. Right. And so he comes out to give a speech. And you know what he says? Well, I knew that I won. The election was stolen. There was evident fraud. I knew I won. And those around the world, the media was telling the world that I lost and that Biden won. And that the Associated Press is some official authority to claim that Biden was the winner, but he can't tie his shoe. Well, thank you so much for the confidence, electors. I accept being your president for the next four years. But you know what? I love winning. But I hate winning with people telling me that I stole something or I did something. So you know how I had Operation Warp Speed ready with like all this military personnel just ready to come to your house and vaccinate you, right? Well, I think the cure to this is we got some really neat paper ballots and we've got body cams and video footage. And starting tomorrow, in no particular order or alphabetical order, on www.realelections.watchmewinhard.com we're going to be live streaming the counting of paper ballots. Our military personnel will come to you in the safest manner since you're so scared about COVID when we all know what that is. And you will fill out your ballot. We will conceal your identity. You will come down to the polling stations. We will collect your ballot. It will all be done live on camera with our military personnel. And every state. So, for example, the first day, we'll go to Alaska. And we'll go to every door if they don't come. We will check your ID. Check that you live there. Check that you're an American citizen and hand you a paper ballot. You will fill it out. Maybe we'll use Ubers and DoorDash and what is it, Grubhub and whatever. And what's that other one that gives stone people treats? To come to your door. They all wear body cams, so there's no question. There will be no swaying. If you cannot read it, an interpreter will be there for you for American Sign Language or whatever other language you might need, even though you're an American citizen and can't speak English. That's dope. And we will help you. And it will be the swiftest recount election across history. We will take it state by state and we will be counting them live 24-7. You will watch who really won because I want no doubt in my mind that these elections were rigged. And I know they were rigged. And I promised the people that they would have safe and fair elections. But there were people within the government that didn't want safe and fair elections. Right, Brennan? So here is where 
we're going to give it to the people. So thank you so much, electors, for giving me that. And I will take the role on as president and temporarily until we get all of these done. I predict that maybe by the end of February we'll be done with counting the ballots, which you will be seeing live tallied. <clears throat> as for the absentee ballots, unless the registered absentee ballots for those overseas, for those overseas and whatever, are greater than the number of difference in margin in the elections, we may not need them. So let's start with Alaska. So predicting onto that timeline, I see Alaska Live 24-7 soldiers that are there for Operation Warp Speed delivering ballots to the elderly at the nursing homes, standing right there on camera, blurring their image as they fill out the ballots and they collect them and put them in a box. And then when the day is over of going and deploying them across the state, they sit down and they have a table where you can see the ballot with your eyes from your home and from your TV, where it will be live counted with a ticker and you can see it match. It's going to be really hard to cheat that. And once those elections are over, we will have proper blockchain, uh, voter ID, national public internet, solid voting. I'm just saying that would be kind of awesome. If he says, all right, thank you for, for electing me. But we're running elections again nationwide. No, just contested states. Nation freaking wide. Let's show the world how big we are. Let's show the world how loud we are. I am not willing to accept anyone telling me that I cheated when they did. I'm just saying. Then it'll be really hard to impeach the president if there's some like new precedent set that you can't impeach someone that's temporarily there since the elections are disputed. Kind of like what happened with Lincoln. And then we're just going to have an awesome inauguration on March 4th, I guess. Maybe. I don't know. So that would be one of the most awesomest timelines. Well, it would be March 2nd. I mean, I would totally love it for March 8th because March 8th is my birthday and I totally love it when the president tweets out every March 8th, he's been tweeting, he's been tweeting out some really awesome content. It's like, thank you. But, you know, kind of like Abraham Lincoln, there were contestations, there were issues, and lo and behold, <laughs> here's how you do it. I think that if they do give it to us because they want to impeach him and they will impeach him fast. They will impeach him fast. Very, very fast. I mean, it could be a case of, oh my gosh, under your watch, none of the machines were in it. So it's actually your fault. We had fake elections and you stole it from Biden. And we're totally impeaching you and everyone's going to impeach him. It'll be the fastest impeachment house and Senate you've ever seen in your life. You've ever seen in your life. That's what's going to happen if they give it to him, if they let him have it. Oh, and there might be the chance that maybe there's an elector that suddenly has a Cayman backdated account that may indeed show like he was paid off. You know, the shit the Democrats did to the state legislators that nobody's talking about, right? The money to those little kings in villages. Nobody talks about that. So this is why our president needs to make this so transparent that nobody can refute anything. 
anything. And I think that's the best way to go. I mean, if I were there and advising, that's the advice I would give. Yo, you totally won. The whole world knows you won. But they're really salty right now. And the only way to stop whatever the UN is doing, the only way to stop this reset, even for those millions of people outside U.S. borders that are suffering right now, is for you to, in fact, live stream election ballot counting state by state. We've got the numbers. Let's do it. And I could tell you what, while we're doing that state by state, minute that happens, there is no way anyone can refute who's president. They can't say, oh, you know, you're cheated. You know why? Why don't you grab the Democrat senator and congressperson and say, you need to stand right there and watch, sir. And if you have any contestation, please say so. I'm not coming. I'm not going to waste my time standing there while you count. Um, I'm sorry. That wasn't a question. That's an order. You're supposed to be there for your constituents. Your Democrats want you there to have eyes. You're an elected official. You're going to stand there at parade rest watching all these soldiers count the ballots, dude. So there's no question. Hey, Republican, oh, Mitch McCain, come here. You're going to stand in Kentucky, down in Frankfurt, where they're going to sit there and they're going to count every last ballot. And you're going to watch it too. And if you think that something's off or someone's pulling a suitcase from under, you're going to say it live on camera. That's how you fix it. There's no hiding on that one. There's no hiding on that one. Complete no hiding. See, that would be the ultimate warp speed operation. Elections at warp speed, live, state by state. And then on CNN and Fox and all of these things, they'll have tickers. How many states have been won so far? How many electoral votes? So by the time you get to like what? O is over. <laughs> I'm just saying. By the time you get to O, it's like totally over. So that is how it works. You wouldn't even need it. Well, you know what? Let's wait to, to, to queue. Well, there's no queue. So <laughs> let's wait till Rhode Island. So let's count them all the way up to right after P. We want Pennsylvania in the mix, right? Just to show like that freaking 400. Dang. That's what's up. Because then once you get to the magic number, you'll be like, hey, do you want us to stop or do you want us to show the world? And you know what President Trump's going to be like? Do them all. Let's show them just how hard we won. Totally picture it. I mean, that's an option. That's a badass option. That's an option that wins you so hard that there's nothing anyone can do to refute it. Nothing. It'll be the biggest win ever. Biggest. Biggest. Super biggest. So when you're down there in D.C., I know that there's going to be agitators. Like I said, we're evicting everyone from Congress and the Senate. You're going to see. And that doesn't mean physically. Every chair they sit on, every pen they use, we pay for. Please. And I urge you. Because there are many people that have infiltrated, infiltration rather than invasion, guys, infiltrated. They will push you to cause damage. They will push you to break through the walls. And boy, are you ready to do that with the war paint on your face? Please, I urge you, do not. Because that'll just give them the ability to pop up some crazy, <laughs> crazy, crazy red flags. And you know who the agitators are. 
You know how they do it. They use predictive analytics. They know how to push each and every one of you. And if you think, well, I mean, it's not like someone's paying attention to me. You're already in a database, man. They already know what bot to send you, a fake persona, on your Twitter or Facebook to stimulate you. It's all by computer. Until you understand how vast and how advanced our technology is, you you can't fathom it. You think that's a real person you're having an argument with on Twitter. You're not. It's all fake. Fake, 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 fake. So just hold the line. Stand there. Stand in Washington, D.C. to the point. Well, what's that What's that guy who said that Guam was going to tip over? Let's sink D.C. from the weight of the Patriots in there. Let's sink it. Because it's going to be Patriots Day. That's the day that people come out in huge numbers that no one's going to cover. No one's going to cover it. So like I said, from, <laughs> from the get-go, we want elections that are fair and transparent with no funny business, no electronic voting, anything, no hanging chads, nothing. A pen and paper. A pen and paper showing the hand, filling it out, keeping the anonymity of the people, and then showing the hands that are going to be counting it and ticking the buttons, and you're going to be seeing it live on your screen. There is no doubt to that. It is right there. But others will say, you can fake that. Well, yeah, you can. But guess what? When you're viewing elections, you have every right to go to the polls to view yourself. So you can stand out there and wait until, what is it? It's coronavirus, right? We're all going to die, right? <laughs> wait till those elections are over. When we're like, yeah, so the United Nations thought it would be a great leash to put you in your house while they do things. Yeah, we're not doing that in America. We're fine. I would love him to do that. And I would forgive him for not saying it straight out because there would be no way he wouldn't be there. 25th Amendment's already written, guys. Impeachment, huh? Three different versions of articles of impeachment are already sitting there waiting. Pat Cipollone knows of one of them. He kind of helped with one, didn't you, Pat? That was a couple weeks ago. But see, I don't know what I'm talking about. I just Google stuff. John Brennan doesn't know me, but I know his family quite well. His wife, his personal business, but you know, he doesn't know me. <laughs> Shit. I know every single company he had and has, every property, every conversation. It's pretty awesome. So, you know, I'm just saying think. Think of what options they're telling you you have. When has an American citizen said, oh, those are my options? Great. I guess I have to pick from that. We don't do multiple choice, man. We write our own history. We write our own answers. We write our own future. No one's going to tell you, oh, you only can pick from this. I mean, we're the nation of 31 flavors and then some, right? <laughs> we don't do vanilla and chocolate. We do some crazy ass stuff like lavender and rum. <laughs> I haven't tried that. I saw that flavor. So again, there's other ways to win this, the right way, the transparent way. And why is it awesome if we did it that way? Because it would empower the rest of the world. 
It would empower every single person across this planet right now being held hostage in their own home. Hmm. The world is watching. It's a double-edged sword. We fail. Everyone eats dirt. We rise. Boy, are those elites on the other side of the pond <laughs> going to be in some serious trouble. I think they're going to turn off the TV right quick. Now, an option that I'm in favor of and a lot of people hate, right? And I'm not in any position right now at the moment for this option to be pulled, but I'm game. It's just, you know, we have our guardians. They got everything. They've got the arc, right? Let's do it. It's a reset everything. But you know what that means, right? It means that the power will be in few. The power of knowledge will be in the hands of very few. But I, I'm a, I take that risk because I have faith in humanity. Just saying. Uh, rather than have a flood, massive earthquake. What are the other stories they told us? Uh, meteors. I don't know. <laughs> cosmic events. Why don't we just fry every piece of technology there is? And that technology is still housed out in space. Hence, you know, all these missions from weird nations that suddenly send shit to Mars. And you're like, um, I didn't know they I thought that they don't even have paved roads. How the hell did they send shit to Mars? Right? <laughs> Nobody asked that question. Nobody. Nobody said, um, so wait a minute. Why are we giving you have a billion dollars if you've just sent something to go to Mars? I'm confused. Mars, code for the arcs of information. So if we were to annihilate every single piece of technology with a nice pulse, right? It wouldn't be so bad. I mean, I would be, it, it would suck to be me. I'd have bottled water for whatever. Riots would ensue until the military comes in and saves the day. And I don't have my own well or, you know, um, I'm not in any place where I can go hunting. I mean, it's a pretty bad position for me. I'd have to abandon the city on foot because cars don't work, right? So um, I'm okay with that, though. I mean, why not? I don't know. How far is, uh, you know, a farm that I can go to? Yeah, it's like, what, 60 miles, 60 miles? I could walk that. I mean, it'll be a while, but I'll walk it. <laughs> That's what I'm saying. It's fine. God wins in the end. But the for me, the winning one is just, annihilated. But the terror that I have and the only fear that I have, because I trust humans in the sense that they're kind and they were made in his image. So you must have faith in humanity. The arcs that are being stored right now out in space, you pray that they're in hands of good guardians that are no longer watchers um, to bring it on with more careful consideration than what they did in the 1800s. Because it's like, see, nobody talks about this. Wait, wait, wait. Let's just talk history. Let's just talk time for a second. Time for a second. So it's 2020, right? In 1920, we had like our first cars, right? And phones, right? And radio, right? 1920, if you told someone, oh, you're going to be able to see someone on the other side of the planet on your phone, or someone's going to be out in outer space on the moon having dinner, and you could totally talk to them on video and see their face. They'd be like, you're freaking nuts. Because think of the time. Think from what they tell you time is. I just want you to understand the concept of time here. 
and and let your let your higher processes work with your gut in sync always. So 33 AD, Christ is crucified. And then it's like all these dark ages and then it's like the Vikings and then the Roman Catholic Church and then off with their head and all these empires have risen and fallen and wars and everything. And then wait, wait, before Christ, right? There was like tons of civilizations too, all of them. But so let's just pretend that, yeah, 8,000 BC, you know, Greeks and Chinese existed. All right, so let's take it from there. 8,000 BC till 1850. Oh, let's go 1800s, right? Yeah, 1850, I guess. <laughs> wait, wait, listen to this. So thousands and thousands of years, right? They didn't come up with telephones, right? Nobody flew a kite with a key because that's the real story, right? Uh, nobody thought of cars. There were no computers, no toilets, no lights, no internet, nothing, nothing. Suddenly, it's like there was some random awakening after 1850, and we just like propelled into AI just magically, magically, magically. The past hundred years, all the geniuses appeared, right? There were no geniuses before that. None, none, none. Oh, Da Vinci had that stuff. Yeah, but it was just art. It's like they didn't do anything back then. But they have buildings that have been around for 8,000 years. Yeah, that was just luck. Okay. Well, they had pyramids that is physically impossible for people to roll on logs of wood and drag them up even with millions of slaves. Yeah, no, that totally happened. So. You know, shut up. We're writing history right now. Don't tell us what's, we tell them, okay? You see, if you actually look at myths and legends, you'll see that the stories they tell you aren't real. Completely not real. So, I mean, you see that the news are all fake and whatever movie they give you is all whatever. And if you pay attention, this is the first time an advanced civilization exists that creates structures that are easily wiped out, like everything's on toothpicks. Like if there was a bomb to go off, it would be like down to ashes, kind of like that printing station in New York that was printing ballots that was down to ashes and you didn't even see a machine. You're like, what happened here, right? Such an advanced civilization that practically no structure would be able to withstand the sands of time. <laughs> so weird, so bizarre. So when thinking about time, I want you to think of what makes sense and what your gut tells you, well, that kind of mm, sniff test, yeah, so not happening. Just saying. Just saying. Time is our friend right now as the boots of time have slowed. And you will see up until January 6th, the boots of time will be really slow. The days will not be going by fast enough. Today has been a long day, hasn't it? It's only, what, almost 2 p.m. Eastern time, and you're just like, damn, isn't it 5 o'clock yet? 6, 7, 8, damn. Pay attention. When dilations happen, they happen because there's change. Super change. Time is on our side right now, up until the 6th. So we have some decisions to make, and the only reason there's this dilation and this slowness of time, right, is because there's a lot of things and a lot of options on the table. And for the first time in a very long time, mankind has realized that they are the masters of tomorrow and that they are moving along and having the choice. So rather than me sit here and thump, right, and tell you everything the media is bombarding you with, which is 
Biden's the president. Shut up. It's time to like give up. We have so much evidence, but nothing's happening. John Brennan's toast. I could keep saying that because he totally is. But I can tell you a lot of things. But what I'm going to tell you is pray and be ready. And pray that the right decision is made and that the right option is done. And never, ever, ever, ever put all your eggs in one basket. Ever. The only basket you should be filling is yours and what your gut tells you. And not the gut of self-preservation. Self-preservation, the ugliest quality any human has. Self-preservation. Be the prodigal son, man. Come back to your nation. Say, you know what? I'm really sorry for neglecting you, America. Promise I'll do better. Here's where I start. And that's what we need to be doing. They're going to tell you what your options are. They're going to tell you you have no option. Huh. They're going to tell you there's no door. You can go. No back door. Fuck it. Break the wall down then. I'm not going to do that. That is how you move forward. And for those of you that are on the left or consider themselves liberals and I like communism and Marxism, shut up. It's been eons and eons of communism and it's all ended up with genocide and death. You're not smarter than the people from before you. You didn't make any walls that people can see from space. You didn't make any pyramids, okay? You probably don't even know how to tie your shoe. So, no talking. This is where we need to look forward. We need to look at each other and we need to understand that we are united under one concept and that's freedom. And freedom is always accompanied with knowledge. Because when someone tells you you're not allowed to know this, when someone tells you you can't talk about this, when someone tells you you can't pray about this, when someone tells you anything, you are not free. You should be able to say whatever you want. I mean, if you want to be a loser like Dexter and kill people in your basement, you should have every right to do it. Doesn't mean it's going to work out for you well, but you should have every right. And if you want to be racist, you can go ahead and be racist. Doesn't mean it's going to work out for you right. That's the way it is. Karma. Uh, brownie points, spiritual brownie points. And what we decide is okay. Free speech is super damn ugly. But I will pick that over being having my tongue pulled out any day any day. So for all those commies that bathe once a week, that think that, oh, I'm a Marxist, Leninist, I totally know, like, nah, nah, nah. and you're pissed that Biden's president because you know that he's, he's a globalist, but I guess we need elitists to get stuff done. Shut up. Okay. Shut up. And I want you to see just how many times communism in other names, like, I don't know, monarchy, I don't know, Caesars, I don't know, Cleopatra's, I don't know, whatever you want to call it, pick a dynasty, pick whatever you want. It was freaking communism, right? Didn't work. And those people made shit that lasted for over 5,000 years. You can't tie your shoe and you think you're smarter. No, you're not. You can't even bathe properly and you have bad hygiene, you have a degree in gender studies, you don't understand what real life is about because you don't stand on the moon. You look at it from a perspective of up close and personal like you're fixing a microchip. You need to step back, stand on the moon, look down, and take a peek. That's all you have to do. And for those of you on the right that are like, war, 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 stop. Regardless, the war may keep your generation one or two or three free, but that's about it. Cause they're going to get you anyway. 
And then a whole new revolution starts. So this is where it starts. The Patriots need to unite under one flag, under one statement, which is freedom. This is why it was founded. Freedom, freedom, free will. What God gave us, the ability to be free. That is our God-given right. And no earthly or non-earthly being can take that away from us. So when you hear Tiny Dancer and other idiots tell you, let's storm it. Because for some reason, I'm looking at them use my words like evict as if it's like, let's go riot, making it clear. That's not how it goes. I don't like it when people go toward violence. I can tell you any time I've been in an area where there's death, I, I still can't see how someone can do it. There are people that pray and say, take the sword and crush their skulls and do this. And, and I'm like, no, no, no. Even in the name of righteousness, even in the name of vengeance, I can't. Because we weren't created like that. We were created to have compassion. But if you ask me, if I'm going out standing up or on my knees, you better believe I'm going standing up. I mean, I stood up and got torched, torched and probed for what I could have made go away with 500 bucks in a signature. I said, fuck you, it's war. So that's what I want you guys to remember going forward these next couple of days, going forward, that we have whatever option we decide. And our president is going to make an option that's going to make their ears and eyes bleed so much that the media in Europe will have, oh my gosh, we had a DDoS attack. Hence why you guys don't have the internet right now to see what's going on in America, right? Because there aren't patriots there that'll help them find out. That's why they ban radios and ham radios. But so again, we have more options, and I want my president to take that victory and say, thank you for the victory. But you know what? I want an even bigger victory because you got to think big to win. And that's how it happens. Show the world. Make it have zero doubt. That's how you win. That's like super strategy. By the way, if someone looks back, what is it, 2020. So I have to keep reminding me what year this is so I don't slip up. Um just can't tell you stuff that happened already in the future because that would mess things up. That's predetermination. Hints are okay. So 2004, what I'm telling you right now that we should do was attempted in 2004 as a counter, as a counter to what the Bush administration tried to push on another country. If you do a little bit of homework, you might be able to find it. Oh, before I go, I just wanted to say, great job, guys, on figuring out uh, what's happening in regards to Tennessee. I mean, you saw the company that sits on the AT&T FirstNet board. We had that conversation about FirstNet a while, while back, didn't we? See, it's kind of like, I might actually know what's going on ahead of time. Just saying. So great job. You guys are the news. You guys are the ones in charge. And remember, we're in charge of our own destiny. We, we do not yield and we don't let other people dictate our future. We do. And that's what America stands for. So on that note, we're going to watch this guy with really pretty teeth sing to us how we are in the land of confusion 
And I want you guys to take that with you. This is the land of confusion and it's totally normal. And that's fine because we created it and we take responsibility for it. And that's why we're going full speed ahead right now. And there is nothing that can stop what's coming. Absolutely nothing. They can try, but mm -mm, we win. God bless everyone. They're moving into the streets. Now, did you read the news today? They say that they just come away. But I can see the fire still alight. They're burning into the night. There's too many men, there's too many people making too many problems. But there's not much love to go around. Well, this is the world we live in, and these are the hands we give up. You're the next stop to buy you to make it a place for me. Yeah.